just so you know where we're at, we continue. Uh, this is actually week two. This is our last. You heard Malia allude to this, but I want to drill down on it for just a second so we can really um, kind of understand what's happening here. Uh, this is the last of our uh, short summer series set. And so we've had a couple of four-week uh, series, Romans 8, we looked at life in the spirit, and then we looked at, uh, we looked at uh, Jesus says, where we, we talked about some um, touchy issues and, and, and looked at what Jesus said and how the early church lived those things out and then what that means for us. And now we're in this last one, which is, is just say yes. And what we're doing here is, and I, I warn you up front like I did last week, is this is an unashamed plug uh, we're going to learn some good stuff uh, in Scripture. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews today, but this is a plug for getting over yourself and getting yourself plugged in to a small group. Now, some of you have already jumped right into small groups. In fact, go do this for me. Uh, raise your hand high if in our first week you are signed up for a small group. Good. We've got, I think Malia told me, uh, 65, 75, somewhere in there, people signed up for small groups already, uh, which means we are about halfway to our stated desire of 100% participation from adults. And so if you've signed up, spectacular. Thank you. I appreciate your being on the front end of that. Okay? And I would encourage you now to be in serious prayer for your group, okay? because our groups, and we're going to see this as we get into scripture today, our groups are going to be as good as our group participants are. Okay? And we'll talk a little bit about that, but on top of that, if you haven't signed up for groups yet, um, I want to go ahead, and, and again, I, I, I want to apologize for this, but I want to apply pressure, okay? um, because we think what's happening next is so critically important that we're not sure that we can skip it. And so what's happening next, if I turn this on, I'll be able to tell you. John, go ahead and next one. I got nothing. Uh, what's happening next is our I Am series. And you saw the trailer that we had for that that's been on Facebook. This is our Invite Your One. This is our attractional series. This is the series that, that is going to talk about what is the character of God and how does the character of God... By the way, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian... We're not mad at you for being here not being a Christian. Um, we're glad that you're here, and we're glad that you're finding things out. But if you're here this morning and you're not sure about this whole Christianity thing, this next series is for you. And it's the reason it's an attractional series. It'll help us grow, but it'll also answer questions for people in the community that need to know. Okay? And so what this series will do is this series will tackle what are, what's the character of God? Okay? A.W. Tozer says it this way, what you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And, and to be honest, that's not a statement you can argue with. What you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And so we're going to encourage you to come and, and we're going to be tackling this series. What are the attributes of God? What is God really like? Who is God really like? What does he really tell us in his word? What can we discern? And, and not only that, but we're also going to be looking then at cultural challenges about him. I'm going to tell you why that's so important. Vince, Malia, and I, and a couple other people around town have been doing some, some research. 
into the population of Vinton, the trends. Uh, but one of the things that we've discovered about the, the people in Vinton, in our town, okay, I need you to track me here. 76, at a minimum, okay, 76% of people in the town of Vinton are home this morning. 76% of the people that live in Vinton are unchurched. They, they have no desire to be part of the community of God. 76% of the people, that's, that's over three quarters of people that live in this town where we minister to, right? Where we are a pillar. We are light on a hill. We are supposed to be invading. We are supposed to be storming the gates of hell. 75%, 76% of the people that live in this community have decided that, that they need nothing to do with God or churches that teach about God and it's worse than that. I'll tell you why it's worse than that. And I don't want to step on any toes. And we don't, we don't need to have this public debate about what churches are right, what churches are wrong. But I can tell you this. Um, that's any church in this community. That means that we've got 24% of people in this community that get up and go to church on Sunday morning. And a good chunk of them are at a church where they are not hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've heard it from you all time and time and time again. I went to church every Sunday, never missed a Sunday. It was important to my family that we be at church every Sunday. And then I left that church and I went off to college or I went here, or I went there. That's when I heard about Jesus. That's a problem. And, and, and we're the answer to that. Okay, and so all of that to say that we have this great series coming up that looks at the character of God and that is going to tackle cultural challenges to God. And I want to encourage you to make sure that you're committing to be here every week for that. Be a part of a small group where we will dig deeper into that and be about inviting people that need to know about Jesus, that need to know about the character of God because they're not getting it elsewhere. That's why this is so critical for us. And and so I want you just to, to have that on your radar. We've got at the Welcome Center out there, we've got uh, invitation cards to this next series. Take one, take two, take three, pass them out. Um, give them to, to friends, coworkers, relatives, people that you would like to invite. Um, pray about it, hand them off, continue to pray about it. That first Sunday, invite them out to breakfast before church starts. Hey, you know what? I'd love to take you out to breakfast and then come to church with you. It's a whole lot easier to walk through the door when you're walking through the door with somebody that you know than when you're walking through the door by yourself. So make every effort, okay? It's worth it, okay? All right, so um, there's my, my shameless plug uh, for small groups in the next series that I hope you take seriously, okay? And as we continue uh, in this Just Say Yes series, I'll remind you of the big question that we talked about last week. This is an Andy Stanley question. Um, in light of my past experiences, in light of my current circumstances, and in light of my hopes and dreams for the future, what is the wise thing for me to do? And as we deal with small group myths, as we deal with reasons that people say no when we're encouraging you to say yes and get plugged in, as we deal with that, this question should be front and center. This question should be the filter that you answer um, the small group question with. This, this question should be the filter that you answer everything with. In light of your past experiences, and your current situation, and your hopes and dreams for the future, what's the wise thing? Not the easy thing, not the simplest thing, 
but what's the wisest thing for me to do? And today we deal with the question of whether or not we really need it. Now, Denny was a great was, was a great person to hear testimony on this, and there are several of you that we could have chosen, but you know, when, I, when we sit down and we think about, for those of you that know Denny well, think of a guy, here's a guy that's pretty much got it all together, right? Now, Denny's family is over there like laughing. <laughs> I don't live at your house, right? I, I don't live at your house, so I don't know what it's like at your house, but when you think, you know, here, here's, a, here's a, a, a guy that, that's pretty much got it all together. Like, I've never had a bad interaction with Denny Hummel. Like, First of all, that dude's a hugger. <laughs> and I know some of you are thinking, that's a bad interaction with Denny Hummel. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because listen, if you're a massage therapist, you can hug me all the time. <laughs> but, but like every interaction I have with it, it's positive and it's encouraging, right? And, 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 and it's never gossipy and it's never nasty and it's never negative and it's always faith-filled, and it's always focused, and it's always good. And you might think, you know what, there's a guy who probably doesn't need small group as much as the rest of us. But yet we hear his testimony, he says, you know what, no, 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 we all need to be challenged. We all need to be in these communities. And so that's what we tackle today is the issue that you don't need it. And for some of you, some of you just don't want to, but for a lot of you, and we've talked about this, I get it. You just don't really like people all that much. Some of you are serious, serious introverts. Some of you just really like to be by yourself or with people that you know very well. Uh, you don't necessarily want to be with people. And I get that. And here's what I want to say about that. If that's you, if you're here this morning or, or you, know, you listen to this later online or whatever it is, and you're somebody that's like, you know what, I don't, I don't really love to be around people. In fact, I've talked to probably nobody in this room, but people that will be listening online that sometimes they don't come to church because they just don't like to be around people. They like to listen, they like to track, they like to follow along, but, but they just don't want to be here in the crowd because it's hard and it's difficult, and I get it. Here's what I want to say about that. Your natural inclination to... Be a little bit more introspective. That's not sinful. I understand it. I get it. And I, I want you to know where it comes from. Look at this. Look at Psalm 139. Um, just this, this little chunk of it here. For you were created in... Uh, I'm sorry. This is the psalmist talking to God. You created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. He goes on to say that, that you created me when I was formed. You know me intimately. You knew me when I was knit together, when I was formed in the secret place, woven together in the depths of the earth. This is the psalmist saying, God, you know me that intimately. You know everything about me. Listen, if you were here this morning, you were woven together by the God of the universe. And there's no mistake in your personality. If you're introspective, if you prefer to be a little bit more reserved, if you thrive better in smaller groups, if you thrive better in groups that are a little less, that you know everybody where you're well-known and you know them, if, if you thrive better when you sit at home by yourself sometimes than when you're with a crowd of people, that's not sin. But hear what I'm about to say. Being an introvert is not sinful. Being in isolation 
is. Okay? Your character, your hopes, your dreams, your desires, those things are part of who you are. You're woven together by God. If you thrive more in small settings, that's great. It's God-ordained. It's God-designed. But to be in isolation, to shut yourself off from other people, well, that's sinful. And we're going to see that, that that goes contrary to the commands of God in Scripture. And this is a big deal. Listen, it's in small groups. It's in small groups where we find everything that it means to be both human and Christian. We'll see from Scripture, we'll, we'll unpack the commands. We see in small groups that it's where we find everything that it means to be human and it means to be Christian. It's where we pray together. Sorry, Denny, we pray together. You don't have to actually say anything out loud. You can do it in your heart. But it's part of what we do. We cry together. Men, it's okay, we can cry. Or mm, fake it while everybody else does. It's where we confess our sins to each other. Oh, we hate that one. It's where we celebrate with each other. It's where we mourn with one another. Small groups are where we practice community together. Small groups are where, are, are, are where we, we just, we get real. Where there's no duplicity. There's no fake. Where we just are who we are. And you cannot expect to grow without those kinds of relationships. See, here, here's the, the big objection for today. The big myth is that I can do this all on my own. I don't need anybody's help. I can do it all on my own. I don't need anything. And, and, and here's what I'm going to tell you. No, you can't. No, you can't. Okay? For two reasons. One is you can't. When we read through Scripture, and we'll see this as we get into Hebrews, and we'll see it as we get into some of the other one another's, you cannot. God is telling us, the Holy Spirit-inspired um, author of the New Testament is telling us, you cannot have this kind of growth on your own. And as a side note, I know you well enough, just like you know me well enough to say, just even if you could, you can't, but even if you could, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Right, Because left to our own design, we always take it's this sin nature in us. It's the cultural expectation. Left on our own, we always take the path of least resistance. Unless there's somebody encouraging us, prodding us, admonishing us, growing with us, moving with us, we always take the path of least resistance. I get up and I walk, what, three days a week? I get up and I walk three days a week when my wife wakes me up. And Sue shows up at our house. And we go walking for like an hour. We don't go very fast, <laughs> but we do it. But here's the thing. If Sue calls and says, you know what? I'm not sure I'm coming. And Carrie doesn't wake me up. I, here's the thing I could say. I can get up and walk on my own. See, I kept doing that. They're like, hey, go for a walk with us. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. I'm the one guy walking with the two ladies and... You're going to be talking about makeup and stuff, and they've never talked about that, by the way, but you're going to be talking about girly stuff, and I'm just going to be following behind. It's going to be weird. So you guys go, get this, you guys go, I'll just get up and get on the treadmill, and I'll do it on my own. It happened one time in six months. 
Why? Because we don't do it alone. See, some of you, that's the way you feel about church. Some of you, that's, that's the way you feel about church. It's like, oh yeah, church is great, but I don't need a church to be Christian. I can do this on my own. But if you're honest and you look in the mirror, you are doing the exact same stuff. You are in the exact same spot. You haven't grown one little bit in your faith since the same time last year or the same time two years ago. Because we don't, right? We need community. That's the way we're wired. That's the way that God put us together. And so we're going to look in Hebrews 10, and that's going to be our good jumping off point. I'm just going to put the first verse up there on the screen, but I'll read you the three that we're going to look at. Chapter 10, 23 through 25. And, and here's what we get. We say, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Okay, and so we're going to jump off on this text, and, and there's a couple of things that we're going to deal with. And, and the first thing is just this idea that the author tells us, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. Okay, and so there's something there that we have to understand. Is, well, what's this hope that we affirm? Right? What is it we're holding tightly to? What is it that, that allows us to be anchored and rooted into this unwavering firmness? And, and for that, we just simply have to go back a couple of verses. We're not going to dwell here, but I, I just want to let you know what we're talking about. When we go back to verse 20, uh, right, right before this, here's what we're holding to. This is the essence of the gospel message. Okay? If you are here this morning and you claim to be a Christian... If you're here this morning and you've never claimed that, okay, then just listen in because this is what this is all about. But if you're here this morning and you claim to be a Christian, I don't want anybody ever walking away from here. I don't, I don't you know, where the kids are. I don't, I don't want anybody ever walking away from here and saying, you know what, I went to that church every Sunday, but it wasn't until I left that church and went to college that I heard about Jesus. Listen in, okay, because I will call you a liar. I will. You're like, well, I went to Blessed Hope my whole life and nobody ever told me about Jesus. Ah, listen. <laughs> By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have such a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. This is the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ that says, because of who he is, because Jesus is God's son, because of his death, by his death, his death on the cross, Jesus, by his death, he opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain. The curtain there, it doesn't matter um, if that reference makes sense to you, great. If it doesn't, it's okay. It has to do with the, the old temple and this curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place. And the only people that could go into the most holy place were the, was the high priest. And then only once a year to make atonement for the sins of the nation. But he had to go back every year and do it. And he had to make atonement for his own sins before he could go in. And, and that's what this referred to. He says, but Jesus, by his death, he opened a new and life-giving way. Not a death way. You know how you got in? You know how the high priest got in? He had to slaughter a lamb 
to make sacrifice for his own sins. And then he had to go and he had to slaughter a lamb for the sins of the people. But this says, no, 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 because of Jesus, by his death, he opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest, that's Jesus now. Jesus is our great high priest. Here's what it says. Now we can just go freely when we want to. We can just move into the presence of God. We don't need to make sacrifice anymore. There is no way of death and blood that we have to make on our own behalf to get to God anymore because by Jesus' death, he's opened this new way. And so this is this grand thing that happens. Okay, And then we see here, the author continues, and he says, so because of that truth, that's the hope that you affirm. Hold tightly without wavering, because God can be trusted. Hold tightly without wavering. You know, the issue of holding tightly, it, it, means, that, it means that you need to stand firm. I'm going to tell you what that looks like in my life. When I stand firm, I do so in the context of community. It just is what it is. When I isolate myself, when I'm all alone, and I have those moments, you know, I, we've talked about this before, those moments where uh, I get, like, despondent or frustrated or you call it depression you call it whatever it is it's just these seasons they happen they don't it's okay um but but when i have those moments and and i retreat into myself then you know i'm ashamed to admit as your pastor though there, there are times that i waver not like oh god's not real or oh this or but 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 it just my faith isn't strong. I'm not as firm as I want to be. And thankfully, because of God's grace, those don't last long. Because I have good people in my life that, that, that have permission um, to talk to me about those things or that, that can hold me accountable or that, that I'm just going to be with on a regular enough basis. But, but you can't stand firm when you're in isolation. You know why? Because in this world everybody's an expert on something and you pick a crazy viewpoint you pick a crazy thought and then you just look on the internet and you can find somebody who's an expert in it listen to me do you understand that in the year 2017 there is a society and if you're part of this i'm sorry i'm poking fun at you and we'll talk later i'm not sorry i'm sorry that i'm poking fun at you i'm not sorry that you'll get there um there's a whole society in this day and age that, that is out there that will preach to you and try to convince you no matter what that the earth is flat. I don't know if you're aware of that, but there, there's a whole flat earther society out there, right? And, and they will tell you with their facts and, and, and their expertise and everything why it is that you've been lied to forever and why the earth is flat. Okay. I mean, listen, in this day and age, you, you can find experts that'll tell you everything. My kids have had to deal with in the past um, experts telling them that, uh, that, that, well, all of us people are here because aliens seeded the earth. And, and, and that's how we, we exist, and that's why we're here, is because aliens came and 
and, and spread their DNA and people exist. And, and listen, your kids will have to deal with the same stuff, but, but we, we have all of these things that happen. You know what? In our culture, you're an idiot if you don't think you came from a single cell organism. I mean, you are ridiculously close-minded. You have shut yourself off to all scientific, scientific inquiry if you don't believe that you evolved from an amoeba. It's just the way that it works in the world that we live. But what we read here is that we are to hold firm, unwavering, tightly to the hope we affirm that is the person of Jesus Christ. And you do not do that in isolation. You can't. In fact, here, here's something that some of you will just know to be true. Okay? Oh my goodness. That's the one I want. Is that what will happen is people will tend to adopt the beliefs and the habits of the people that you spend the majority of time with. It's not rocket science. It's just good common sense. The people that you spend the majority of your time with, those are the people that you're going to start to adopt their beliefs and their habits and their attitudes. So if you think about it, okay, this is why we want your kids to be in youth group. This is why we want your kids showing up. High school kids, we want them showing up on Sunday nights. Uh, junior high kids, we want them here on Wednesday nights. Elementary age kids, we want them here on, on Wednesdays for, uh, for our midweek program. We want them to be with other kids downstairs. We want them to be in relationship with other like-minded kids with teachers that will pour into them. Why? Because we know. We know that who they hang out with on a regular basis, who pours into them, that they're going to start to adopt those patterns and habits. And so for you, Christian, I mean, think about this. If all of your best friends, if all of the people that you spend all of your free time with have nothing to do with church or the gospel of Jesus Christ, they want nothing to do with Christianity, but those are the people that you spend all of your free time with. Those are the people who are pouring into you. Those are the people that are giving you advice about how to live. Those are the people that are telling you what you need to do. Well, it's not going to be too long before you start to look, act, and smell like them. It's just the way it works. This is why we tell you, um, if you're single, this is why we say choose a, a significant other wisely. Don't be unequally yoked, right? Don't find a partner who doesn't believe what you believe because while they might be gracious and say, well, yeah, yeah, no, you know what? I'm not going to tell you to stop believing in Jesus. You believe whatever you want and I'll believe whatever I want and we'll just be happy together and we'll sing the turtles and it'll be great. Some of you are like, imagine me and you. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but here's what happens. Eventually, eventually, you know what? That's the person I'm choosing to spend all of my time with. That's where my relationship is rooted. Eventually, what happens? I, I see it over and over and over again. What do we do? We walk away from faith. Not completely away from faith, but I walk away from practicing faith. Because you know what? It's awful hard to get up and go to church on a Sunday. When my spouse is sleeping in, Right? Some of you do that. Some of you get up and you come to church on Sundays while your spouse is sleeping, and you know how hard that is. I'll give you credit for doing it. It's hard. It's hard for you. It, it's hard for you 
to, to decide, you know what? I want to be faithful in stewardship and I want to tithe. I want to give generously with the resources I have when your spouse is saying, whoa, time out. You want to do what? Because they don't share it. But eventually, this is what happens. And so we're told to hold firm. Hold firm. Why do we hold firm? Well, we hold firm because there's this truth of Jesus Christ and we can't waver. We have to stay rooted in it. And so we're careful who we hang out with. We're careful what we do. Okay? And not only that, but check this out. Not only um, do you need it, but you have to understand this, the other admonition about church. It's not really all about you. You need it, sure. But it's not only about you. See, we, we, oh my goodness, what's going on with my clicker? There we go. We go back to, to Hebrews 10 and we continue. So let us think. This is what he says. Hold firm. Don't waver. Stand your ground in the truth of Jesus Christ because Jesus is good to his word. And so you can't vacillate, right? You can't be wishy-washy. You stand firm right here. And he says, and so here's how you do that. That's a tall order. Standing firm in this culture is hard to do, right? Because there are people that will tell you the earth is flat and they can prove it. Standing firm in this culture is hard to do because there are people that will tell you, you know what? Sexuality, that's an outdated mode. We don't need to worry about it anymore. Standing firm in this culture is hard to do because there are always people pouring into us that want to tell us something different. But, but Paul says, no, you're, or, I'm sorry, the author of Hebrews says, stand firm. How? Well, do this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. See, it's about you because there are people that should be pouring into you, but it's not about you. It's also about the other people that you're supposed to be motivating in love and good works. See, this is the beauty of a small group. This is the beauty of a church community. This is the beauty of how this works, is that this is the one place in the world where, guess what? It's not all about you. And how contrary is that to the thinking of the world? Everywhere you go in the world, people are going to tell you that everything is all about you. Everything is all about you. You can have what you want. You can have it how you want. You can have it your way. You can do it. You don't even have to wait for it. You can just charge it. Right? You could borrow money and you can have it now. Everything is about you, your experience, making you happy, getting what you want. But here in Christian community, it's not really all about you. Yeah, there's part of where people are pouring into you, but your part is to turn around and pour back into them too. And so the author says, let's think of ways to motivate one another. Not sit in the pew. What did Denny call it? A pew potato? <laughs> Never heard it? I like it. Okay? Not sit and be a pew potato, but let's figure out how this can be about more than just me. It's not about how I can sit there and I can be motivated to love and good works, but how we can motivate one another. Community is inherent in this. Let's think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let's not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. The idea here is that we are supposed to be pouring out for one another, motivating one another, pushing one another to something better. 
If you read carefully through the New Testament, you're going to read 70 to 80 some odd one another statements. One another statement implies community. You cannot be a growing, obedient Christian that lives in isolation. Because you can't follow the commands of Scripture if you live in isolation. You've got to be plugged in to the community. You can't sit and sour. You've got to get plugged in. Let's think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Good works. Did you know Ephesians 2.10 tells you that you are God's masterpiece you are God's craftsmanship. You are his workmanship. And, and here's what that verse says. Here's how it ends. It says, you were created new in Jesus Christ. Why? Not so that you could sit and be entertained and not so that you could have people pour into you, but that you were created new in Christ Jesus for this reason. Listen. To do the good work that he planned for you long ago. You were created new in Christ Jesus, so that you could be about the work of the ministry. And when I go to a small group, I have people working on my behalf, and I'm working on their behalf, of thinking of ways that we can motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And so when I put those two things together, God's saying that, that you were created new in Christ Jesus to do this good work that I've designed for you long ago, and then I get to a small group, a community of people where we're motivating one another and thinking of ways to push each other in love and good works, then what I'm seeing is that, that small groups or community groups or whatever we want to call them, they are part of God's plan for your life. That you were designed for these kind of groups that will push you on in love and good works. And those love and good works he designed for you long ago when you were made new in Christ Jesus. That's the way that it works. You want to know, like, why did we harp on this? Why is this so important? Because it's God's design for your life. For you to be intimately involved with other Christians that will help you grow and help you work. And that you will help them grow. And you will help them work. If, you, if you're going to look at me and say, you know what, Matt? I don't need church. I don't need small group. I don't need Sunday. I don't need that stuff. And I say, okay, well, first of all, you're wrong. You do. Because you can't be obedient without it. And second of all, it's not just about you. You're supposed to be pouring into those other people as well. It's part of the design of this. Okay? It's part of how we understand what, what God says in Scripture. And you know, here, here's the thing about small groups. Here's the thing I need you to understand too. That's where we help teach Christians how to act like Christians. Here at Blessed Hope, okay, and if, if you choose to worship with us here at Blessed Hope, this is what we do. Small groups is the place okay, where we teach Christians how to act like Christians. That's what that's about. What does God say about something? What is his character? What's his heart? What's his desire for my life? Okay? You know, it's one thing to hear from me every Sunday, and I'll tell you some stuff, and most of it's stuff you probably didn't want to hear. It's another thing to be intimately involved with a group of people 
where there's no pretense, where there's no faking it. Just people that are open to loving you and to sharing with you and encouraging you and admonishing you. This is where we correct, encourage, and strengthen each other. Look, some of you, um, small groups happen in community. You need prayed for? You know what? I'm happy to pray for you. The elders are happy to pray for you, but you know what works great? Is your small group comes around you and prays for you. Right? You got joys to celebrate? Your small group is ready and waiting to celebrate those joys with you. You've got behavior that needs to be, oh, church, help me on this one. This one, okay, listen, help me on this one. Why is it that I always have to be the guy? Why is it that I always have to be the guy, right? We are a community. We are a priesthood of believers. There's no law that says Matt's the only one that gets to say hard truths. So why do I always have to be the guy to sit down with somebody, look him in the eye across the table and say, listen, bro, I love you, but you're doing it wrong. I'm looking through scripture and I'm reading scripture and the commands of God are implicit and they're clear and we can't get around them. And so I love you and I will always love you and you'll always be welcome, but you are stuck in a life of sin and you have to, why is that always me? Shouldn't be. the role of a community of believers to love correct encourage strengthen pray for celebrate with one another the reality is that we're called to stand firm in our faith and standing firm in our faith the next statement says so here's what you do you encourage one another, not you come to church and you let Matt tell you stuff. And again, I'll tell you stuff, right? But that's not what it's called. It's you, you stand firm in your faith and the church pours in to one another and they share life together. And, and that's how this works. That's why we read through scripture. There's one another's all over the place. Galatians 6, 2 says you carry one another's burdens. Some of you in here are so burdened. Some of you in this church, and I know this because you tell me, and I'm like, well, who have you shared this? Well, nobody. Well, well, who are you connected to at the church? Well, well, nobody, really. Well, you know what? Part of the need to be in small group is so that we carry one another's burdens. I can tell you when, when Aubrey, when we had Aubrey, that was a burden. <laughs> Let me clarify. Love you. Because she got really sick. I think I've told you this before. Some of you probably know this story, but, and some of you have worse stories than this. I've heard some of yours, and I'm like, man, I had it easy. Aubrey was in Iowa City. They flew her there from, from Davenport because, uh, you know, her pulse ox was down to like 80. Apparently, that's bad. Uh, we went into the emergency room and, and said, you know, we were, we were at small group, by the way, and, and one of our small group ladies was a nurse, and she said, you know what? Hmm, your seven-day little girl, nine, seven, doesn't matter, she looks a little blue to me. Carrie says, we're going to the hospital. It's 9.30 at night. And we go to the hospital, and we go, and we say, you know what? She's really lethargic. Her color's a little bad. We're worried. They take her into triage. They do the little pulse ox thing. The next thing you know, there's like 15 nurses and doctors gathered around. Um, and it's a whirlwind of activity. She was in Iowa City for, what, close to a month? 
And she's fine. She's fine. But we were a wreck. But you know the people that were there with us? The people that carried that burden with us? The people that spurred us on? The people that prayed for us? The people that cried with us? The people that brought me Italian nachos from old Chicago while I was sitting in the NICU? It was our small group. It was our small group of people that gathered around us to, to carry that burden with us so that we didn't have to do it alone. And I'm going to tell you, that was a dark time for me. Not because, because that was a time when I was trying to figure out, okay, God, I'm doing everything you asked me to do. So why am I here? Why is this happening? And I had other people I had other people that were pouring into me the wrong stuff. I had other people telling me that, see, God can't be real. Because if God was real, that wouldn't be the case. If God was real, that kind of thing wouldn't happen. If God was really out for you, if the God of the Bible was really the God of the universe, then you wouldn't have to deal with something like this. Not you who've been obedient and who serves and does all of these things. And, and that, was, that was what was coming in from the world. And if that was the only people I'd surrounded myself with, then I, guys, I'd have been in trouble. Because that was round about the same time I was trying to figure out if I wanted to be in ministry. I just started serving as an elder at the church. I was trying to figure out, do I want to be in full-time ministry? What is that about? That people, listen, my life could have been significantly different, but my small group stepped in and they carried that burden with me. And they prayed with us and they cried with us and they brought us nachos. It's a big deal. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, you encourage one another, you build one another up. Colossians 3.16, you teach one another how to be Christian, how to live this life. You admonish one another. Admonishment, this is a tricky thing. See, admonishment is not beat you down with the Bible. See, when I say, why am I the only one to do this? I've never actually hit anybody with this. It might feel like it. No, I mean, honestly, it might feel like I beat you up with the Bible. But that's not what admonishment is. Admonishment is a broken heart for you. Admonishment is, is a very true statement of love and regard and best desires for you. I mean, if, if I love you, then sometimes I will hurt you. Why? Because I love you. And because I'm called to teach and admonish one another. Why? Because that's how the church builds one another up. We know, if, if, if this is true, that this is the word of God. And that obedience to God is a good thing. And of course it is. If that's the case, and I really love you, then I'm going to help you figure this out. Parents, this is one of the hardest jobs you have. Is to toe the line of love and acceptance, but also admonishment and building up and teaching. I mean, those of you that have teenagers, you know how that works. Those of you that have 25-year-olds, you know how that works. I, maybe older. I don't have anything older than a 25-year-old, so I stop there. But that's how this works. It's not easy. James 5.16 says, oh, we hate this one. We confess to one another. We confess our sins to one another. Why? Because something happens when you're willing to share your faults. 
Something happens when you're willing to share your sins. Because then, when you share your sins, guess what you get? You get admonishment. You get encouragement. You get built up. You get other people to carry those burdens with you. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another. Forgive one another. We live in a world... We live in a world that will teach you that at best you maybe get a second chance. Right? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I'm not even putting myself in a position to be fooled a third time. At best you get two chances. But in small group, here's what we read. We read that we forgive one another. That we're kind to one another. That we allow for faults. And then Romans tells us that we accept one another. We accept people that are different from us. We accept viewpoints that are different from us. I loved hearing Denny say this uh, about small group. He's like, you know what? I believe certain things, you know, and again, we're not talking about like core, essential, fundamental doctrine, like, oh, but we're talking about, you know what? There's things, we all disagree on some, some finer points, some, some lesser doctrines, some lesser points of theology, some lesser things that don't matter quite as much. Um, and we've talked about this before. We've drawn the circle on the board up here, and we've said, you know what? If it's inside the circle of orthodoxy, right? If it's inside this salvific thing, if it affects your salvation, who Jesus Christ is, what he's done in your life, if it's something that affects that, then it's outside and we can't accept it, okay? But everything else, if it doesn't affect who Jesus is, okay, if it doesn't affect his word, if it doesn't affect these things, then, then we don't have to we don't have to draw dividing lines over that, okay? Which is why, listen, I'll, I'll go back to this example. That's why Vince and I can minister effectively together. Because Vince and I don't agree on all finer points of theology. He's wrong on a lot. <laughs> See, that was unfair because you don't have a microphone. <laughs> but you know what? We don't disagree on salvation. We don't disagree on the word of God. We don't disagree on those things, and so we can minister together. We can accept one another. Listen, we are called to be together, which means you need to be a part of the life of the church. You can't do it from the outside looking in. This is a critical nature. This is critical in what we do. Okay, so the last thing I'll show you just simply is this, and this is just for some of you. Uh, this won't mean much, okay? For some of you, um, this this will make a whole lot of sense. And so uh, let's just throw this up here and I, I'll just explain this briefly. But, but some of you are confused about how church is supposed to work. So if you'll allow me to teach you for just a second, um, some of you, well, of course of all, if you're low on um, corporate involvement and individual involvement, corporate involvement means the large group, large activities of the church. So if you're low on that, and you're low on your individual involvement, you are one of those people who I would call a nominal Christian. It's not me throwing stones at you. That's just by definition, that's what you are. You would say, there are people all over this community. Remember I said 76% of the community isn't going to church on Sunday morning. Now a bunch of those are on the roster somewhere, right? A bunch of those people are members at a local church. They just ain't been there in five years. But they would tell you, well, I'm a Christian. Of course I'm a Christian. Yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. I belong to that church. 
They are at best, we would call them nominal. They have no corporate involvement except for Christmas and Easter. Okay? Maybe. Okay? And they have no individual involvement. They're nominal. But what happens is we tend to substitute. This is the one that happens most. And I, uh, this, I'm going to be actively involved in the corporate worship of the church. But individually, I'm not getting plugged in at all. If you've ever said, I can't go to a large church, okay, this might sting for a few of you. If you've ever said, I can't go to a large church because it's just too impersonal, then that's you. Heavy on corporate involvement, but low on individual involvement. Because the more you get individually involved, the less it becomes anonymous, right? But high corporate involvement and high individual involvement, that's where the sweet spot is because that's the place where you're healthy and you're participating in the life of the church. You've got a community of people that are around you. You've got a community of people that are pouring into you. You're pouring back into them and you're a part of the large group where we pray and we sing and we're admonished from the word of God and we hear these things and all of those happen together. When you're actively a part of Sunday morning and you're actively a part of the other ministries of the church, that's where you become a healthy church member. That's how it works. Okay? And if you refuse to do one or the other, then you start to find yourself in, in, in a cycle where either I'm in a silo and I'm all by myself and I'm isolated or I'm anonymous. I'm just a face in the crowd. Some of you that, you know, you're like, if I'm calling you out, if this was your plan, as soon as we start singing, I'm sorry. But you know what? We start singing that last song and you're out the door, right? You show up as we're singing the first one. You leave as we're singing the last one. That's anonymous, right? You're here, but it's not healthy. That's why we say if you're going to be a part of our small groups, you need to show up on Sunday mornings. Because you know what? Just being part of a small group community, that, that, that's, that's not all that great either. You, you need to be part of the life of the church. Okay? So that's the uh, praise team to come up. We're going to, we're going to close out. And just a couple of things I want to share with you as we do that. And uh, Two questions I want you to ask yourself. Who's looking out for you? And who are you looking out for? And I want you to take that encouragement and I want you to say, you know what, wherever I'm at, if, if I'm a nominal church person, maybe the commitment you need to make this morning is I need to show up every week. Maybe you just need to make a commitment to yourself that says, you know what, I'm going to take this seriously and I'm going to show up every week. Maybe it's, you know what, I'm going to get over myself and I'm going to listen to Denny and I'm going to say, I'm going to jump into a small group. He says, you know what, just try it. Just try it. See what happens. But whatever it is, it's kind of this opportunity, this moment for us to take a step of faith. Okay? At this point, uh, we're going to ask the ushers to come forward. And they're going to collect this morning's offering. I want to remind you, if you're visiting with us today, if you're visiting, you're under no obligation to participate in the offering. The offering is something that those of us that call Blessed Hope Home, that we do to fund the ministries of the church. And the ministries of the church are all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why that next series is so important. It's all about the gospel of Jesus, okay? And as we are collecting the offering, I want to encourage you in this, okay? As we're collecting the offering this morning, um, if you're ready to join a small group, write it down on your paper, throw it in. Uh, 
If, if you've got to make a commitment about something, write it down, throw it in. But there's no time like now. There's no reason to wait. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we just, we come before you this morning and, uh, and we thank you for who you are. Uh, we thank you for the truth of, of scripture. We thank you for the fact that um, we, by the death of Jesus, have this freedom to enter the most holy place, that we are, are, in essence, we have entered into this lifelong relationship with you through the death of Jesus Christ because you love us and you've poured out for us. And, and so, God, we, we, help, we, we ask you to help us grow up in that. And we know from Scripture, we can see clearly from Scripture that your design for helping us grow up in faith is to be in a community of like-minded believers that will pour into us and that we can pour into so that we can practice these one another's and we can grow up and we can be who you've designed us to be and we can do the work that you've created for us to do long ago. God, we thank you for that truth and that encouragement and we ask you for uh, the ability to live it out well. And Father, we ask you to take this offering. We ask you to take it, to multiply it, to do good things with it, Father. We ask you to take it and use it to make inroads into a community that's lost. 76% of people at a minimum that have no desire to be in relationship with you. Father, that breaks my heart. And it should break ours as a church. And so we ask you to, to in some small way, um, help us to make those inroads and, 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 and use this um, offering to you as, as a way to start making those, to, to storm the gates of hell. And Father, not just us, but we pray for every Bible-preaching, Christ-focused, gospel-centered church in this community and around the world that's also preaching this morning. We pray that you'll bless them and that you'll, you'll help them make inroads in the community. Father, we envision, we envision a city a county, a world where there is nobody that doesn't know about the gospel and the grace of Jesus Christ. And Father, so help us, help us as we seek to, to bring light where there's darkness and hope where there's hopelessness and life where there's death. Father, we love you. And we thank you for the blessings that you pour out on us. And we thank you for this part of the mission 